First Timothy chapter 6, beginning with verse 11, part 3 in our series on the fight of every believer. Every believer's fight, every believer's battle. Is it warm in here to y'all? Okay, now be honest. Who's cold? God help us. We just... Y'all, wear some clothes. Wear more clothes. Wear quilts, blankets, tarps, tents. We can only get so free with our clothes. But y'all can add. Well, it hides my belly, so I keep my coat on. You're so vain. Take your coat off. Put some clothes. You wear my coat. Uh, No. Okay. 1 Timothy chapter 6. Are you ready? But you, people of God, flee from these things and strive for uprightness, godliness, good faith, love, fortitude, and a forgiving temper. Exert all of your strength in the honorable struggle for the faith. King James says, Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold of the life of the ages to which you were called. When you made your noble profession of faith before many witnesses, I charge you as in the presence of God who gives life to all creatures in Christ Jesus, who at the bar of Pontius Pilate made a noble profession of faith, that you keep God's commandments stainlessly and without reproach till the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. You may be seated this morning. And if you will pray one more time with me as I pray for myself today. Father, I just uh, present myself before you. I humble myself before you. I'm, I'm not doing this because it's the thing to do or habit. It is my way of publicly saying uh, to your flock that I have no confidence in myself and that there's no benefit in the ideas or ideologies of men. But it is when we declare your truth and it is anointed by your spirit that we are edified and we come to life. And so I'm asking you today for that special impartation, Lord, of your spirit so that I might communicate truth with clarity and with power and with an unction uh, from the Holy Spirit, I pray, so that your will would be done and that your son's name would be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. If you've missed the last couple of weeks, we've already covered the areas uh, and gave introduction on what it means to struggle, to fight the good fight of faith. God gives faith to every man, a measure of faith, but you have to fight to not obtain, but to realize the things that were freely given to you of God. You have to fight, uh, we talked about, to stay His And by that I mean to stay his exclusively, completely, without reserve, privately, publicly, and contentedly. You have to make your body, you beat your body into subjection to keep it single and and pure towards the Lord. We have to fight to stay disciplined in God's word, in our submission, in our worship, in our following of the Lord's leading, and in our service. We have to fight to keep our heart We talked last week about weeding our garden, keep it pure, single, aflame, free of offense, tender, weeded, uncluttered, and healthy. A believer that's not fighting has no life. 
the evidence of my life is my struggle against my flesh and this world that's contrary to the Spirit of God in, in, in my life. Conflict for the believer. Spiritual conflict. I don't mean your neighbor's. I don't mean your car not working, you know, and somebody goes, oh, it's the devil. No, you didn't maintenance it. That's the problem. The devil ain't near the car. Take care of your car. Spiritual conflict is the evidence of life in my heart because before I got saved, there was no conflict. I wanted to party, I party. You want to sleep around, you sleep around. If you want to do whatever, you do whatever. But the Spirit of God in me convicts me of righteousness, of right standing with God. It convicts me, convicts me of sin, the sin nature, and the sins that are expressed from the sin nature. We are not sinners because we sin. We sin because we are sinners. And the Holy Spirit convicts us of those things. So see, God freely gives you things like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, meekness, self-control. They flow from a union with him naturally. But you have to fight to keep the bugs off the trees. You have to fight to prune it back. You have to fight those that would come against your life. Your own flesh coming against your spiritual life. Uh, False teachers, error, hypocrisy, heresy. You have to maintain your heart. Fight the good fight of faith. It's not enough to say he gives peace if you don't have peace. And I don't mean this derogatory, especially to uh, those of, of, of color. But it's not enough that the Emancipation Proclamation was signed several hundred years ago if the people don't know about it. You see, you have to obtain. It's there. And many Christians sing about and know about a liberty they do not have. Well, it's theirs, but they haven't fought the good fight to obtain and keep, to keep the things Freely given to us of God. We are sons and daughters of God. That's a type. We are servants of God. That's a type. We are ambassadors of God. That's a type. And we are soldiers. Did I do something? There we go. I say, usually that they didn't like the last point you did. You know, they just cut you off. We are soldiers of God. And and I know this will make you uncomfortable, but I want you to see you are a soldier. You're just either a good one or a bad one. You're either weaponized or harmless. You're either in the in the battle or a wall. Is the church better because of you? Is the kingdom better? Now, there's a time period when you're born again and you're babes in the Lord. You don't throw them out on the front line. But, you know, after years and decades, Paul said, by now you ought to be teaching other people, soldiers. And where you find a soldier that will not fight, where you find a soldier that will not fight, you will find dead comrades. Who in this room will give an account for the people that did not make it or were minimized or dwarfed because of our inactivity or sloth? So this message for the last several weeks, and I'm very grateful. You know, when you preach hard like this, crowds can get real thin, but y'all are still here. So 
I'm grateful for this. But we, we have to lay hold of the life of ages. Well, I thought he gave us eternal life. Yes, but to, to appreciate it, to realize it. It's one thing to say, I'm a son of God, but to realize what that means. It's one thing to, to, to hear about forgiveness, but to have a clean conscience. You see? And so that's what we're referring and talking about in this series. And today, we're going to deal with this one. So one point today, many subpoints, but we're going to get you out on time. Number four, the fight to stay free. The fight to stay free. In college, 106 years ago, at Mercer University, to my knowledge, I was told by an executive there that I was the only person that he could remember in the history of Mercer that had a dog in the dorm. Jabbo. You can't have a dog on campus, much less in the dorm. And I wasn't a Christian, so I lied. They'd say, you got a dog? I said, I don't have a dog. They say, he follows you around to every class. He, you have a dog. He would follow me, lay outside the science building, follow me, lay outside, follow my motorcycle. But I lost him at lunch. He would go to the cafeteria, and all those girls and guys that left their dog at home would bring scraps, and Jabbo just blew up. He was like, you know, looked like a sea lion laying in the yard. He'd eat ice cream and burgers, and, and I would have him in the dorm, and the guy would knock on the door, I know that dog's in there, and I would open my window, and I had a little wooden plank out the window. Jabbo would walk down the plank, then I'd push the plank out, shut the window, you know, Ain't no dog in here. He goes, there's a plank by your window. I don't know whose plank that is. I just lied. I don't know whose dog that is. Jabbo, probably my all-time greatest dog, maybe him and Chuck. But I remember early in my faith, Jabbo saw me through drunkenness and stupidity. And, you know, he would go to the SAE house and he would go under the pool table and we'd party in there till 2, 2.30 in the morning. And then I would stagger out, go on Jabbo, and he'd walk me home. Good dog. So he walked me through, he saw me get saved, and he's like, thank the Lord. So we got, got married, moved to a little apartment, and Jabbo had never been on a chain his life. Now, before you write me and talk to me about how many dogs, you know, get hit by a car or motorcycle or something, yeah, but living on a four-foot chain, I just, I rolled the dice. I was like, I want Jabbo to live free. And Jabbo fathered 106 litters of puppies. Jabbo wasn't saved either. That's a whole nother story. I'll tell you about that. I'm getting somewhere, I promise. I just, I promise. So we moved to the apartment and we didn't want to bring him inside because Jabbo was a flea haven and you, long hair, you couldn't get them all out. And I put him on a run from about here to there. That was all the land we had in our apartment till it was the next thing. And he cried and he cried. And I would come out and I would sweet talk him, please shut up. He cried. I'd hit him on the head, shut up, please. Just, just like, you know, you'd lose a filling. Your filling would start rattling and it'd just fall out. I was like, please, please shut up. And so one night he cried all night long and I come out the next day and I was like, you are killing me. And I unhooked him and he did one of those, 
Any of y'all got goats or know if people have goats, how they do that happy dance off, they jump off of something. And he did this contortion in the air, you know, like if slow motion, it was just like exhilaration and boom, he was gone. I was like, Jabbo, Jabbo. And he was just running. He was not listening to me. Freedom was louder than his master's voice. And I felt the spirit of the Lord speak to me. He said, that is what freedom is supposed to look like. We are asking the Lord for the joy of the Holy Spirit without freedom. Freedom flows from, our joy flows from freedom. Free. It's, it's, the, it's the byword of the Christian life. It's not just forgiven. It's freedom. Freedom is the evidence of all that I talk about in Jesus Christ. It's the evidence that my sins are forgiven. It's the evidence of his reality that uh, through his death, burial, and resurrection, the freedom that we experience in Christ Jesus is the evidence of spiritual realities. They are external manifestation of inward, eternal truths. When someone or something controls the direction, the pace, the priorities, the choices, or the destination in your life, you are not free. Someone or something that tells you what to do or steers you or commands you, okay, we'll break it down. When food or cigarettes or alcohol or weed or sex or or a person controls the direction of your life, controls the moment and says, smoke this now, drink this now, be with that person outside of marriage now then there is no life in you because the evidence of the Christian life whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Doesn't mean we're not tempted. And here's the difference. When you first get saved and you struggle, and struggle means we're still doing it, remember? When we struggle and then you fail and you say, oh, I thought I was saved, I thought I was saved. The devil will tell you, if you were saved, you wouldn't do this. He does not deliver me from the pull of sin. He delivered me from the power of sin. So freedom is not that I'm not tempted. It means I now have the capacity to deny myself, suffer the emptiness in the void, and still walk in freedom. The first few steps away from self-denial are hard. Who in here used to smoke and don't smoke no more? Did you just like suck on peppermints and like go to Sam's? You get, you get the big, I want a dolly. Can you give me a dolly then? You know, and it, it doesn't taste the same. It doesn't feel the same. See, God didn't, God didn't deliver me and then exempt me from the difficult, oh, the battle of being free. He gave me capacity. He gave me power, dunamis, to walk out of any controlling thing or person. You don't need my prayer. 
You don't need a group. You don't need help. I'm not saying they're not beneficial. I'm saying you don't need them and I can prove it. If you have to have a group, then the person in prison can't be free. The person in ICU can't be free. And truth is truth in every environment, every time, all the time. Backward, forward, sideways. If Christ be in you, the hope of glory then freedom is to be yours. Why do you let that person control you? Why do you let that cigarette tell you when to go outside and how high to jump? Why, do, why would we do that? Because the iniquity abounds and we look around and here's what the devil will say. I'll just share some of mine. Well, this is just one thing. Everybody else is living like hell. I'm doing pretty good. The issue is not how many things control you. Or how you are in comparison to world. The issue is, are you free? The reason the Lord teaches us it's in his word to avoid as much debt as possible. Oh, no man anything except uh, love and a good conscience. Be, don't, you know, the servant is slave to the lender. Is it about money? No, it's about freedom. I may not have everything I want, but a creditor cannot come and take what I have. Because I'm free. Freedom is its own reward. Freedom. When we talk about our, our soldiers and our, our veterans and Memorial Day and stuff, and, and we, we see freedoms so taken for granted or unappreciated, and you've heard me say that this generation, and some call them snowflakes, I'm not going to call them snowflakes, uh, they, 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 they do not realize that the death, the, the struggle that was paid to secure and keep these freedoms give them the capacity to then stand and say, I don't like this and I like this. Freedom always has a cost. Christ paid for the victory, but you have to fight. You have to fight. Endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Okay, freedom, freedom from your fears. Every fear you rationalize is a sin. Well, I'll read it, see? See how he does? See how he does right there, see? I can't, I can't help it. Yes, you can. One of you is lying, and since God doesn't lie, that leaves us. Fear is not about the thing. Fear, the Bible says, has torment, by the way. Fear is an accusation against God. That you will not protect me, preserve me, or keep me. And you will not guide me along the best pathway for my life. I understand as a Christian that I'm going to suffer. I'm going to experience loss, betrayal, and all of these things. I'm not a pessimist, but I'm not going to live in fear of what may happen because the Lord is with me. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want it. And it tells us, he says, I will fear no evil because thou, what? Are with me. Thou art with me. Freedom from lust. Freedom from your history. Freedom from the acceptance and the approval of others. For some, there's a torment for them in that. You are tormented by someone else's opinion or those on social media or those at work. It's supposed to matter, but it's not supposed to matter. 
Well, it matters what you think, but it doesn't matter as far as the core of who I am. I am free from the approval addiction of other people. I'm who I am. Now, that doesn't mean you shouldn't care. Like, I don't care. I'm not bathing. I'm not, I don't care what they say. I'm not, no, it's not like that. It, don't, don't get into extremes and error. It's just free to let them say what they're going to say and you be who you still are. Free from how your parents did it. You know, some of this is learned behavior from your parents. Mama was a worrier. Granddaddy was a worrier. Grandmama was a worrier. And so we worry. We call it generational curses. And it could be, but some of it's just learned behavior. It's like the lady that was cooking for Thanksgiving and she took out the ham and whacked off one end of it, spun around, whacked off the other end of it, put it in the pan and basted it. Little girl said, Mama, why why are you hacked the end off the ham? Because that's how you do. Why? Well, that's how my mama cooked it. You know how little kids are. Why? I I don't know. So she called her. Mama, you know how it's driving me crazy. This kid is driving me crazy. Why do we hack the ends off the ham? She said, well, I never had a pan big enough for the ham. I don't know what you're doing. (laughs) Oh. Learned Pentecostal behavior that looks like but is not motivated by the Holy Spirit. Learned attitudes, mindsets, passed on from generation to generation, robbing us of our freedom. I can't help if mama or grandmama wasn't free. Christ died for my freedom. And he gave me the invitation the opportunity, and the capacity to walk in freedom, free from any bondage, any bondage. No habit should control you. We all have weaknesses. The Bible says we are drawn away of our own lust. We all have our lust, whatever it is, whether it's food, possessions, covetousness, uh, money, Uh, notoriety, popularity, visibility, recognition. We all have our own lust, but you should be free from it, meaning that you do not make your choices based upon those drawings. I have a friend of mine uh, that has had a same-sex attraction for about 45 years. He told me, he said, as long as I can remember, I've been attracted to men. And this, this was one of the strongest things I've ever heard. And he said, and I've never acted on it. He looked me in my eyes. Never. He said, I was ridiculed all through high school because I'm effeminate. And by that, I mean just not as masculine as some. And he said, and I got this side telling me how God wants me to be happy and to do all of these things and just live the way I want to live and God would be okay. And he said, but the pathway, John, and I'm, I'm summarizing here. The pathway to holiness and freedom is not without self-denial. That's where people lose it. I give up things to walk in freedom. To where nothing controls. Nothing owns. Nothing directs. Nothing prioritizes. Nothing sets the pace. Without answering, are you free today? Are you free to love God fully and express his nature openly? Or is there something that controls you? And if something controls you, 
You can have a, 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 an innocuous thing control you that's not forbidden. All right, I'm going to go where angels fear to tread. Hold on. Y'all with your telephones. I got to talk to you about your telephones. You can't wake up, get out to bed, and turn it on. Can't. You can't sit at the dinner table with me and I'm talking to you. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Put it down. Put it down. No, no, it's not. And you hear people try to explain it. No, it's not. If you add it up, how much time? Well, it's the same as television or a magazine. Or, no, no, no. It's a tumor attached to your hand is what it is. Now, I didn't get too many laughs, so I'm going to go to the spiritual part, okay? Does it control you? My battle is just like yours. It doesn't have to be sin to tell me what to do, when to do it, how to do it. Turn this on. Play with this. Search this. Look at this. TV, same way. The phone's not a temptation for me. I'm going to appeal to my middle-aged old men. When I get in my chair and put my feet up on that ottoman and I got my little flicker right there and my big belly full of tea, I'm good. Don't t- that. And sometimes you have to turn that off. You see what I'm saying? Anything that controls you is your captor. So what's, what are you saying, John? I'm saying enjoy all the benefits of the smartphone and break the cycle. Just put it down. Turn it off. Now, I'm going to tell you the flip side of that. There's always pain. The struggle's real. I turn mine off couple hours, turn it back on, you have 25 text messages, and then I just hate, the, I hate it, I hate it. When I retire, good luck getting me. Flip phone Johnny, that's what I'm going to have, just, just at home, yeah. All right, I'll get back off the phone. The fight to stay free is a matter of truth. John 8, 32 says, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. The truth about your depravity, the truth about powerlessness, the law of sin and death, the truth about compromise, that compromise always leads to sin, and sin always leads to death. The truth about bondage, but also the truth about Christ Jesus, and the atoning work through his death, burial, and resurrection. Christ in you, Christ before you, Christ for you, Christ empowering you. You can walk out of any bondage through the life of God in you. One decision, one decision, and you walk out. Now, your flesh is going to pitch 10 fits. You don't believe me? Try fasting. How many of you fast on a kind of regular basis? How many of you don't fast because you don't like it? Why do you do that? Confession's good for the soul. I just, you know, they told me the first time I was fasting, the first time I did three and a half days, they said, oh, by the third day, you won't be hungry. No, I was hallucinating. I wasn't hungry. <laughs> I'd smell food on people. And you know, one of the things I learned early on to tell my body that it's not God, y'all don't have these. Just middle-aged men have hankerings. Well, girls have like four o'clock chocolate. No, no, we have like four o'clock rack of ribs. As you know, men, our hankerings are different. No, a little piece of dove chocolate. No, 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 no. Give me two whoppers to go. That's, I, I'm just telling you. 
One of the ways early on in my faith for me, how I broke free, because in college I would eat, and back then, you know, Whoppers were this big, Domino's pizzas were like this, you know. I'd order a large pizza by myself at college, wear it out. Might leave a little piece of crust, hard crust in the corner for Jabbo. That was it. And I knew when I got saved that food can control you. And see, I'm not being legalistic. It's not about the food. It's not about the cigarettes. It's not about the one glass of wine three times a month. It's about does anything own you? And you know how I broke free from the gravitational pull of it? Out loud, I would say to myself, like, I want a homemade cheeseburger I mean, when the hankering was there. And then I would go get something, not that I hated, but that I didn't like. Like I would eat tuna fish on a cracker or something. And my flesh would be like, ah! And I was like, I know, right? I know. Satisfied? No. And I'd taste it the whole day, reminded me of my self-denial, but it broke. You don't tell me what to eat. Now, it doesn't mean I can't ever enjoy because I'm free. And sometimes I have that cheeseburger craving. I was like, yes, Lord. And y'all know what I do at Outback now, don't you? I used to pray over the cheese fries, and I'd do some of y'all's prayers like, bless this food to the nourishment of my body. I can't pray that no more because God can't. He won't. So you have 3,000 fat grams, 6,000 calories, bless it to the nourishment of my body. I just say, Lord, thank you for them. You know they're good. And every now and then you eat them. But I can't eat them every day. Is there anything that controls you? If you will deny yourself and stand and say, no, I will enjoy the allowable things when I want, but nothing controls me. When a man puts his golf clubs up for a month, two months, he said, I I do enjoy it. And the Lord enjoys me enjoying it, but it's not going to control me. I'll put my fishing poles up. I'll put the credit card up. I'll I'll put the remote up. I just want to be free. I want to stir you and ask you, are you living on a line this morning that someone else has drawn? When you can be free, all you got to do is struggle just a little bit. And you can live in absolute freedom. Freedom in your conscience. Freedom in every area. The fight to stay free is a matter of life. I'll give you these quickly. If the Son shall make you free, then you'll be free indeed. That's John eight thirty six. It's a matter of identification. Romans six eleven. Likewise, reckon yourselves to be dead unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's a matter of self-denial. That's what I've been telling you. Romans 6. Do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lust. Neither yield the members, your hands, your feet, your mouth, your mind, as instruments of unrighteousness. But yield yourself unto God as someone back from the dead, and your members as righteous things unto God. You cannot have freedom without struggle, and you cannot have freedom without self-denial. You must say no to things to be free of things. And not everything you need to be free from is sin. Good things. There can be good things that you still need to be free of. It's a matter of purity. 1 Peter 2, 16. Ben, if you would come, please. Live as people who are free, 
Not using your freedom as a covering up for evil, but living as servants of God. Listen to this again. Guys, if you'll put this on the screen for me, if you can. 1 Peter 2.16. Live for the Christians. Live as free people. But don't use your freedom as a covering up for evil, but live as servants of God. This is what is happening in much of the church that I'm exposed to. I'm free in Jesus. I have grace, 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 and live like hell. Shacked up. Shacked up with somebody that's not their spouse. I'm free in Jesus. I'm free. He said, don't use your freedom as a cloak for your evil. Addicted to alcohol, addicted to drugs, self-medicating, addicted to perversion, pornography. And I'm free in Jesus. Are you? Here's your test. Walk away. Put it out. Throw them out. Pour it down the drain. Tell that person, I'm not judging you. I'm judging me. I can't walk close to the Lord and be close to you. I'm distancing myself. Love you. See you later. Walk away. If you're telling me you're free, then walk away. Free people can walk away. Free people can turn it off. Free people can put it down. The issue for us, life comes when we simplify down to the basics. The the Spirit of God in us, the freedom to know the Lord, the practice of self-denial, and self-denial doesn't stay that way. It does get easier. The longer you're off of something, the longer it does get easier. It's like this. When you are entering the freedom of, of all that God has for you, imagine a rocket, all the force that it takes to get it off the ground. And it's just all that uh, dunamis, the fuel and, the, and, the, and the, the gravity pushing against us. But when it breaks the gravitational pull, that rocket says, so how do you know when you're free? You know. I had more to share, but I'm, I'm going to close with this. Four or five nights a week for seven years. Maybe sometimes three, but usually three to four nights a week for seven years. I was between drunk and wasted drunk. Wasted being wake up in somebody's yard drunk. I knew for my life that there were two things that were my lusts. And I'm being as honest with you as I know how. It was never money. It's not possessions. I don't need you to envy me or I never have to have what's in the back of your collar. If it's blue, I like it. It's easy, you know. Mine was because of my exposure to pornography all those years when I was young. And I'm not blaming it on anybody but me, but I'm giving you the reasons. They're not excuses, they're reasons. And I did not have a man in my life to explain to me those things. To model sins, sexual sins, and alcohol. And they complemented each other. Alcohol lowered the inhibition for the sexual activity. And the sexual activity usually follows. It's it's like a cycle for me. And I knew to break free I had to draw lines and I I trust this will be 
me humbling myself and letting you know my sins and how I broke free, I hope will help you. I knew that if I did not set strong boundaries that I was going to commit sexual sin. So the person that I was dating, uh, I broke up with because they weren't a Christian. They became a Christian and we dated for two and a half years and we never touched each other sexually. Oh, that's amazing. No, it was hard. It was very difficult. So what I did was, here I am in my mid-twenties, my dates ended at 10 o'clock. We made the rule that she could never come in the house when my roommate wasn't there. I couldn't go in her apartment if the roommate wasn't there. We never turned the ignition off without getting out of a car. And Oh, that's legalism. No, I knew me. And I set guardrails up that would... It's kind of hard to be intimate if you're not alone. It's kind of hard. And with alcohol, I just said, I will not walk in a room where it is. Do you know how hard it is to go out and eat without alcohol? I think you got Wendy's left, Crystal. <laughs> That's one but a couple places. And I remember uh, it was very difficult. It it's hard to go from bondage where your flesh is happy to freedom where your soul is happy. That's a, that's a wilderness between the two. So two years later, fast forward two years later, two and a half maybe. I, after church one day, it was a group of us and I said, let's go to Texas Cattle Company. Do y'all remember the Texas Cattle in Macon? What did they put in it? A brewery. Not just alcohol. There is a brewery in that with a master brewer and these pouring the hops in and they're doing all that and I remember someone told me they said are you sure I said absolutely and the first restaurant I ate in after two years of being just a drunk I sat right next to that thing while it was churning I did not know I was being led by the Lord at that time but it sealed it for me I cut my steak I said Free. Free. Uh, can I get you something to drink? Tea. <laughs> what did you want? Cold beer. What did you order? Tea. Because I was free. The issue isn't what can I get by with. The issue is how free are you? Because whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Can I give you one more, just a quick thing? I remember the first time I ordered tea with raw oysters. I started laughing out loud when I tasted it. And the server said, are you okay? I said, this just doesn't taste right. <laughs> this didn't taste right. Free. And the only times, the only times that I've ever failed in the lust category, looking with my eyes, lusting, doing wrong, is when I chose to. No devil made me, no pull, either we're free or not. So my question to you is, how can you be free and be in bondage at the same time? Christ in you. I trust that today stirred you so and you go home and you go, I'm going to make some changes. I'm going to make some guardrails. I'm going to turn that off. I'm gonna un- I want to take hold of this life and let it flow through me not in arrogance 
And there's no way to be free without a struggle. These men, we say, bled and died for our freedoms. And anything you're willing to bleed and die for, God will give you a highway of freedom in it. So your testimony will be not how great you are. I don't want you to think I think I'm great. But how free God can make you. Free to say no. Wait. Free to say bye. Free to say no thank you. And they wonder, the Bible said, they look at you and you don't go to the excesses that you used to with them. And some even slander you, but you're okay because you're free. Picture in the natural and in the spiritual. We say we live in the greatest country on earth, not because we're great, but because we're What would your Christian life look like if nothing or no one had any control in your life but the Word of God and the Lord Jesus Christ? I guess you'd be happy as Jabbo. Would you bow your heads with me today? I believe the Lord is put some light on some things for us not you, us how those that are free could be more free how those that are more free could be absolutely free and how those who are entangled with besetting sins and bondages could be the one to break that cycle in the family break the curse and say I just wonder is there a man in this church today that in his heart is saying not another day will this reign in my house not another day I am going to set the path for my wife and babies and if we aren't anything else we're going to be free we're going to be free no one looking around or moving we're almost done I wonder if that's echoing in your heart I'm going to be free I'm going to live free Ben, would you just sing the chorus while we sit? Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. Thou art the church family I don't mean this for shock value but I want to give you something that's very poignant that I want you to think about Okay. 
does it do something in you? And I'm asking, if it doesn't, don't say it. Is something in you, does it make you angry when you see people that do not appreciate the lives given for our freedom? Little boys go visit tombstone that don't have a daddy and these people in the media mock the very people that have died providing us with that freedom. Christ died for your freedom. He rose from the dead, but he died for your sins and rose for your freedom. Let's not be the people who live unappreciative, not recognizing the price that was paid. My freedom is the proof of my gratitude. So whom the sun sets free, it's free indeed. Have a wonderful Lord's Day. God bless you.